Welcome to the Sport Radar conference system. Please enter the conference call number for the conference you wish to join, followed by the hat. Welcome to Points Taken, a podcast about the sports and sports betting industries and the people that make them interesting. Esports is a billion dollar industry globally. It's a participation phenomenon through games like Counter-Strike, Madden, FIFA, and iRacing. And it's a growing spectator sport with global gaming tournaments streamed via Twitch or YouTube to adoring fans all over the world. The question for the sports betting industry the last two years is whether this undoubtedly growing sport can become a wagering market. Crafting laws to legalize it, protecting against corruption, and finding out if there's a wide public appetite for it are all part of the equation. But the shuttering of traditional sports during the COVID-19 lockdowns have given eSport its moment. Key betting states like Nevada and New Jersey have broadened what they will allow bettors to partake in. To learn more about how the sports betting industry would adapt to this new relationship with esports, and how esports as a betting market would find a place when traditional sports return, we spoke in April to Mark Balch. He's head of product and partnerships at Bayes Esports Solutions, a joint venture of Sport Radar and Bayes Holdings. In this chat, we learn about good and bad internet and why esports venues get built why FIFA can't hold a decent tournament, and where sports betting will fit in, the key question. In short, Mark Balch is heavily invested, he knows what's going on, and he knows what's going to happen. You can read more about this in my story for Play USA. I'll put a link in the digest. Please go patronize that story after you've listened to the podcast. We open with a broad question about how Sport Radar has expanded its esports offering during the pandemic and how they've been received. So this is a... Uh kind of a complicated question actually because um you know the word esports before the covid crisis was quite straightforward um but now there's different kind of strains of esports related to sports betting um so i guess the the main one is what what we call the existing esports industry which is counter-strike and uh um global offensive and uh Dota and league of legends and things like this this is kind of the, the hardcore video game competitions um, this has basically adapted to the situation and have changed from physical events to having lots more online leagues. The obvious limitation of having everything online means you can only do things regionally. So there's no international or cross-country competition. So the very highest level of peak in esports in this, in this industry is you know, those, the best teams from China playing in Europe against European teams. This can't happen at the moment. Um, so this is a kind of an adaptation more than it is uh, a growth or expansion. Um, the real growth when it comes to sports betting is is online simulated sports, so particularly FIFA. There's a few others like uh, NBA and uh, so basketball, ice hockey, things like this. There's been an absolute explosion because there's been no traditional sports. Um, yeah, the next best thing, if you like, uh, is FIFA where people can recognize the games, the teams, uh, how the sport works. You know, it's basically just football. Um, and while there's absolutely nothing on at the moment, this is what's seen the, the largest growth in coverage. Um, the entire company is actually doing esports. So it's not just so usually I'd be a small part of the, the Sport Radar Bay's ecosystem and we would do esports ourselves, but because of the situation, the entire company of, of Sport Radar and Base is doing esports. Nearly everyone turned around pretty much on, on a dime and then just started working on esports deals. A uh, number of 
recent deals within the last month have come up for exclusive content, um, some of which I, I can't even name off the top of my head, to be honest, uh, in places uh, like South America and, and other places in Europe where content has been created from scratch. It simply did not exist before, and now hundreds of leagues have popped up, thousands of matches per month uh, of uh, simulated sports content. Um, and then the other, I guess, the last type, uh, which did exist before but not to the same extent, was it's kind of a sort of AI simulated content. So you can put two computers against each other in a match, and so some of this is being offered. We don't offer this to be exclusive, but the industry uh, has started offering this just to, to fill the gap because filling the content gap was simply the number one priority um, in, in during the crisis because everything stopped very suddenly. So um, yeah, to say how much it, it's actually. I was told this morning that we're we're more than uh, we're 125 percent of our expected coverage numbers this month because we're actually already above what we normally would be. Even if everything was the same, we're actually offering more, technically speaking, because of the volume of matches. Um, because all the sports that are being run are very high volume, very fast turnover um, compared to the three-hour NFL game. Uh, or whatever, you know, there's a lot more fixtures, there's a lot more work, there's a lot more, you know, effort, operational work going into going into the content. So it's actually the whole company's really uh, putting together across all different types of esports at the moment. A couple of follow-ups on that, if I could, because there, there was one thing you said was very interesting. About, I just don't understand it. I'm sure it's very intuitive to you. You said that the matches had to be conducted regionally, not globally, if I'm remembering and paraphrasing that correctly. Why Why is that? Yeah. So this, this is actually just a law of physics thing. Um, fundamentally, you know, the internet is simply not fast enough. For, for the high-edge, uh, you know, cutting-edge esports competition, uh, reaction speed is one of the, the, the kind of global metrics of skill. Uh, these players have insanely lightning fast reaction speeds, particularly something like Counter-Strike, um, of like you know, just a few tenths of a second. So if you were to stretch two teams, one team is in China, one team is in, in Europe, uh, the amount of time it takes it to, for, uh, in, to the internet for information to travel to be half a second or more. So, you know, this completely eliminates the, the skill uh of itself because it's so slow. So the actual data itself, even in the game servers, is just far too slow. So they don't play, you know, an Asian team versus an American team because it's just simply unfair because wherever the server is held, for example, if the server is being played in, in China and it's a Chinese team, they have a very small latency and the American team has a very large latency and it's a massive disadvantage. So in times like this, you have to only really play against people within your region. So that's Europe, you know, America, or Asia. And you can't go any further than that. And the, the player who's further away has a much bigger disadvantage. So this is one of the biggest problems in esports, one of the biggest fundamental problems that we simply cannot solve just by being online. The only way we solve this is by going to a physical location. And this is why Counter-Strike and Dota and League of Legends have physical events. Um, because, you know, otherwise international competition can't happen. 
That is fascinating. I never. It was. I was waiting to see if you were going to use the word latency because that was such a buzzword uh, at the conferences last year. Trying uh, with sportsbooks, trying to link up, um, you know, in play betting with what f- folks might be watching on televisions. I, I had a, that. that I yeah. never would have thought of that. That's incredible. Now, uh, one more aside on that because that great answer popped another. Is there a region? not to have a throw a dumb question at you that has better internet that's more conducive to having these sort of competitions because just their fiber optics or, or whatever is better uh i mean technically particularly south korea is amazing internet but then uh it's not necessarily the internet within a country it's the internet between countries mm. so some are better than others so the, for example the connection to south america to europe is really bad um, usually, so things get rerouted through North America. This creates additional latency. So now you're getting into like really technical stuff. This is what the tournament organizers deal with all the time, for example, for broadcasting, because like satellite is nearly instant, but most of the esports runs on the internet, and all these technical rerouting questions, latency stuff. This actually makes betting very important because uh, latency is extremely important for betting or trading uh, anything. So, uh, so this is why we make it our business to understand where it's being played, where the data is being held, how do we get the fastest possible access? You know, what what do we have to do? Um, and that's that's most of our efforts that we put into is just trying to solve these these issues. Uh, and quite a lot of people, even even in the sports betting industry, do not understand these these fundamentals of uh, of latency, and they could they don't realize they could be watching a Twitch stream. That match could have been played five minutes ago, you know, and they just wouldn't know. And that information's out there somewhere. Interesting. I love that techie stuff. I, I understand half of it, but I just love that stuff. Uh, you mentioned FIFA. That seems like a real opportunity because not just because of the the fifteen year old son I have that would play it. 27 hours a day if there were that many hours in a day but i mean it obviously a very yeah. very incredibly popular platform and, and if you can in, uh, involve that in what you do it, it seems like it would be uh you know perhaps a lucrative you know prospect yeah so i mean fifa's really uh, has always been even up and even going back you know if you ask most people in such of a hardcore esports industry they would kind of laugh and talk about fifa but the reality is it's, it's one of the widest, most recognized games and most rec- recognized uh, played games in the world. You know, hundreds of millions of people buy it and play it every single year. So the player base is enormous. Probably one of the biggest, if not the biggest game of number of people who play it. Uh, you, the problem for FIFA has always been running a decent tournament. And uh, I, I mean this literally, that, you know, the, the, the scheduling and the players and it's been racked with problems over the years of coordination and when they broadcast things and having the right venue, and they've never really uh, done it properly. Uh, the current environment is basically a bunch of third-party guys. Technically speaking, EA and FIFA published a, a, um, something uh, in, in March saying that they are not going to run any official tournament. So all the tournaments that are running now are just simply, you know, happenstance guys who put together some teams, you know, whether it be La Liga or whatever, um, they, they put together some guys who play FIFA. Uh, it's not even like a proper league, let's say, uh, that's sanctioned um, you know, officially. All the normal leagues are actually suspended. So this is all really 
recent stuff. This is all people who are just like, taking advantage. Um, and I think people really do need content. You know, a lot of people sit at home uh, with, you know, nothing else to watch, desperately want to watch some, um, some sport. There's no sport on, you know. Um, obviously, everyone's excited about the Michael Jordan documentary, but that only lasts a few hours, then, you know, you've got to look for something else. And this is where esports has, has attempted to fill the, the void. Um, you know, I do think this is, at least in my opinion, I think this is temporary. Um, this is one of the questions you have. Is it, will it remain the same way? So I think particularly with FIFA, this is a, a very unique situation. It's getting a lot of exposure, which I think is great. I think it will remain as, uh, it will be more important now than it was before. COVID, but it won't stay the same. Because mm. I think the vast majority of people who are showing interest in FIFA right now will go back to traditional sports, which even in my opinion, when I watch football and NBA, traditional sports is simply better uh, to watch for, for most people because of the emotional connection to the teams and the players, and it's just very different. Um, but for the moment, it, it's having its moment in the sun. Um, you know, I think FIFA especially has been very important. Uh, particularly in Europe, obviously, folks have been folks in the industry in the gaming industry have been waiting for esports, uh, described broadly, to have its moment uh, and to see if it could, could become a you know a popular betting market. Um, it fills the void now because there is a void. If it doesn't, if it doesn't, you know, maintain X percentage of a niche of of handle when real sports come back, does that mean that? it's not ready uh, for this, that people don't want it. Um, it, it. Obviously, as you said, folks are going to want to bet on their NFL team or their EPL team more. I don't think anyone disputes that. But if if eSports doesn't uh, maintain a certain level, does that mean that it's just not going to work? Oh, no. I think uh, one of the best things about this, personally, is, uh, is just like this conversation we're having right now, is that more people will know what eSports is. And the biggest problem we've had over the, over the years is education. People simply don't understand it or what it is or why it happens. I think that that is being solved very rapidly right now. A lot of people know what it is. And a lot of people understand its place and, and why it can be good as something that is essentially, um, you know, like crisis-proof in a way where we can offer content and create content globally at a very high level you know, regardless of what's happening in the world or whatever restrictions are being placed. So in a way, if this would, if another pandemic were to happen in a few years' time, I think a lot more suppliers and operators and betting companies will have any sports offering in place um, just for the simple fact of, of making sure if nothing else is on, esports will be on, right? Um, and even different times of the day, esports is played globally 24-7 and there's no real physical limitation. So, you know, we can play, you know, many people do, like you said, your son wants to play 27 hours a day. Some people actually do play 27 hours. Uh, you know, whereas there's only a certain number of NFL games per year. So this volume of, of, of esports really racks up uh, over time when it, comes to, when it comes to betting. So I think it will definitely be very different, particularly in the US, because the legislation has been forced to change very quickly, whereas before I think it would have taken several years, it's now happened in several months, um, and Nevada's making changes very suddenly, 
and I think a lot of states will follow, which will mean, um, you know, I think the U.S. will, will open up to esports much faster than it would have even three or four months ago. It, it would seem that this has provided um, a validating uh, effect uh, if states want to do this or have to do this again in the future because Nevada opened up a, a few new things. I, th- I think William Hill had offered, you know, a couple of events in, previously. Uh, New Jersey um, is doing at least one. I think they may still be the only states that are allowing it. Please correct me. I don't think Indiana and Iowa can. I think they would have to rewrite the rules. But it seems like this is a great proving Yeah, it it seems like this is a great proving ground for the other almost half of the country that it's in some stage of legalization to say, we don't have to shut everything down and it doesn't have to be Belarus soccer. It, It can be things that people like if we have to do this again. Exactly. Uh, and I think one one of the distinguishing factors of this is, there's you know, even now there's been quite a few exhibition matches. There's a few like tennis tournaments and a few ra- really random stuff like table tennis. But the esports that's happening right now is not, you know, not to be disrespectful, there's not a, a random exhibition tournament. It's tier one Counter-Strike teams. Yeah, Evil Geniuses, G2, Fnatic, you know, the best players in the world doing what they do best in their own environment. And esports has existed largely online, typically Counter-Strike, for a long time. So this is really how it's supposed to be done. This is We still have most of our core product available uh, and running, you know, even now. So, so it, it's really not, um, you know, it's, it's a little bit different in terms of the formatting. But other than that, it's top tier. Uh, it's the best players. It's the best competition. So, so that's really helped. Um, you know, the, the, the viewers and, and everything else kind of appreciate, um, you know, the, how resilient esports can be. Besides, um, still, I was just fascinating about uh, inconsistent internet globally. What other challenges are there to, to presenting esports? I would think, in the sense that um, you mentioned um, that you don't do it, but there's games where you could have machines playing machines or simulations. You could crank that 24 hours a day, but what are the other, what are the, the in ways that it may be easier than human being sports, uh, on the field sports, and in other ways, uh, what would it be more difficult than those kind of sports? Yeah, well, as you alluded to, the, the AI versus AI thing, you know, regulation-wise, that's a big problem. In certain places, you can't allow, you know, random, basically a machine to determine the outcome. It has to be human, the human, uh, you know, devised outcome. Otherwise, it's gambling and it's, you know, Yet it's a really complicated, but uh, but in general, esports is usually more complicated or harder than traditional sports. I think the main the main problem that that we have, uh, the main challenge that we have, is the fact that information can be uh, latent. So there can be a, a just you know a big difference between when an event actually happens and when it is publicly shown. The length of time between that happening can create so many issues. If it's within the minutes, then it's not a problem, and it actually becomes very valuable to betting companies, even more valuable in traditional sports data. Even though the volume is much bigger, uh, you know, the, the time latency and the technical difficulty makes it very valuable to have the fastest data. But when you get into several minutes or even hours or days where a certain tournament might play matches in advance, say during the day when it's more efficient for the players, and then not broadcast it till prime time. This creates so many integrity issues 
that, and that's one of my backgrounds is integrity, um, you know, and, and anti-fraud and things like that. It, you know, if this information can leak and get out, which has happened multiple times in multiple regions, it, it creates a lot of issues with match fixing uh, and, and information fraud and all this kind of stuff. And, and, you know, players and team owners have to keep it secret. And if they post on Twitter, and there's all sorts of problems that come from this. Uh, and, you know, quite a few tournament organizers make this assumption that, hey, I want to actually broadcast it at, at uh, peak time, but the players won't play at peak time. And, you know, so it's very hard to find uh, scheduling because you don't have a physical event. For example, any normal sport, is you have to literally go to a place and everyone has to be there and the players have to be there and the, the viewers have to be there, cameramen, everyone. So... It has to be published months in advance, right? If you want people to show up to the NFL game, you have to tell them where it's going to be. You have to you have to make sure everything's leading up. So, and that never changes usually. Whereas in esports, it can be oh, tomorrow. Let's play a match at seven o'clock, and you know maybe some people show up, maybe they don't. And then getting that information out to the public is even harder because maybe you publish it on Twitter, but you don't update the website. Maybe it goes on to one fan page but not the other. You know, maybe the, the smart time changes. And this information network, this is one of the biggest challenges we're trying to solve at phase. Um, e- even by offering free services to our, our, our partners to say, we'll publish your information for you uh, to, to more um, agencies so, so that people can find out information faster. Because uh, even for our partners, it's very challenging um, for free sports. So... In a way, I kind of wish it was all in physical venues. It would actually make our jobs a bit easier. Yeah. Good. Well, uh, I always just, if there's any other interesting points that we missed that you would like to include, uh, feel free. But otherwise, um, that was all I had for you. I really appreciate your time. Um, you know, I mean, I guess the, the maybe the any last uh, uh, bit is, is on, I guess, the transition. But... Mm-hmm. I don't think any of us really understand how it's going to work going from the state we're in now back to back to normal. I mean, e- even in general, like, I mean, just in everyday life, people don't know that. But when it comes to us, it's really difficult for us to know uh, and to balance our resources because, as I said, we're going to have a, a, an increase of sport all around the world and we don't know what to cover first and we have all this stuff that's sprung up in the meantime. And, uh, you know, it's actually very difficult to know what we are supposed to do or not supposed to do. In a lot of cases, things change every single day. So um, it's it's very challenging for us at the moment, but, you know, we're working as hard as we can. Um, yeah, I think we'll just keep an eye on what what customers say, what people are, are watching uh, as, as we go on. So, it's, yeah, it's an interesting uh, situation. That was Mark Balch. I'm Brant James, and this was Points Taken. Thank you for listening.